0: Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. If you're visiting Christ Church, uh, my name is Mark. I have the privilege of being one of the preachers here, and we're glad that uh, you're with us here today. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend a majority of our time today in that particular chapter, and if you are visiting, let me catch you up with where we've been recently so that you understand why we're talking about what we're talking about on this Easter Sunday morning when we celebrate the resurrection. But I want to say this, and it's just a preacher in me. I've got to say it every year. If you only celebrate the resurrection this day, you're missing the best part of Christianity because every day is resurrection day with Jesus. Every day is a reality of who he is and what the resurrection means. We've been studying the book of Romans and looking at the faithfulness of God, what he promised to be for us, what he did for us, and what he's calling us to become. And so as we've looked at that series, uh, what I wanted to be able to do was celebrate on Resurrection Sunday that if we're only celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we've missed the point of everything the Bible teaches. The resurrection of Jesus is phenomenal, but it's even more phenomenal when it includes you and I in it. If his tomb is empty and our tomb isn't, we've missed the point of everything he said and did. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as we study, to think through this series of Romans. We've been talking about how God can be found faithful, and I'd like to give a little commercial as we begin. We're going to begin a series of sermons next Sunday that will run for six weeks called The Other Six Days. And this uh, series is about how do we live out our faith and our trust in the grace of God on those days not named Sunday. What does it look like to live out our faith the other six days of the week? And some of the topics that we're gonna cover in this series are, how do you live out the faithfulness of God in your marriage? How do you live it out in your parenting? How do some of us live it out in our singleness? How do we live it out in the way we work? How do we live it out in the way we rest? And how do we live it out in the way we play? What does the faithfulness of God look like the other six days of the week? I would encourage you to make it a priority uh, to be or to participate online in these messages so that we're not just the people that celebrate on Sundays, but the people who celebrate the faithfulness of God every day of the week and how we live that out together. And So I hope you'll be a part of that. I'd like to start very deeply theologically this morning on Resurrection Sunday with the story of Rapunzel. Are you with me? Now, I don't mean tangled. I mean Rapunzel. I read three or four different versions of the Grimm's fairy tale, Rapunzel, and two of them gave me nightmares. So we're not gonna, this is a family-friendly place. So I'm gonna give you the one that's been washed out for most of us the way we remember it. Let me tell you the story. Rapunzel was taken by a witch to a tower. What was unique about this tower was there was no entrance from the ground. There were only windows at the top. And the witch would visit Rapunzel in the tower by repelling up her hair, her long blonde hair, to get to the top. But the witch did two things to keep Rapunzel under her control. First thing she did is she told her every day that she was ugly. In fact, she not only told her she was ugly, the witch told Rapunzel she looked just like the witch. And the second thing she did was take away all mirrors or reflective devices so that Rapunzel could never actually see what she looked like. She could only see herself through the eyes of the witch. And so her desire to leave the tower... And to live out in freedom, it never entered her mind because what did she have to live for? Everything had been taken from her. And then one day, as happens in all of these stories, Prince Charming has nothing else to do and he's riding by. And he looks up at the tower and there's a Rapunzel in her beauty staring out the window and he sees her and he's enamored by her. So he asks her what her name is and she says, my name's Rapunzel. And he says, he sees her long blonde hair and he says, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. And he climbs her hair like a rope ladder. What? What? Seriously, And we believe this stuff. He climbed her hair to the top. I had that problem, now I'm bald. And so (laughs) he gets to the top, and when he comes in the room and he embraces her and he sees her beauty, for the first time in her life, she sees herself in the reflection of his eyes. And she sees that she's not unattractive. She sees she's beautiful. And she sees that he sees she's beautiful. And in that moment, everything changes. She's no longer ugly. She's no longer captive. She's been set free. And so she and Prince Charming... Uh, parachute out of the tower to safety and they ride away. If he had a parachute, why did... Anyway, so anyway, so they get on the horse and they go live happily ever after. And you may be saying, what in the world does that have to do with Resurrection Sunday? And here's what I want to tell you. Everything. Because the world has told you who you are. The, t- the world has told you your value. The world has trapped you in a place where there seems there's no escape. You are what you are. You are, you are decided by your looks or your wealth or your education. or You have all of these things being told to you and you've never seen yourself through the eyes of Jesus. And I want you to know today, on this Resurrection Sunday, should you see yourself the way Jesus sees you, you'll walk out of here free. If you don't see yourself the way Jesus sees you, you'll remain captive. And I want freedom. How about you? Today's the day to celebrate freedom, not just that his tomb's empty, but our tombs will be empty too. The resurrection is the most important event in the history of the world, it redefines everything. And if true, and I'm betting my life it is, if true, we can walk out of our tombs as well. And the resurrection's not just yay Jesus, the resurrection's yay for all of us. So I want you to understand, the problem is, and I don't say this this to be snarky or to take shots at folks, I want to say this because I believe it's true. Year after year, Christians and and non-believers attend Easter Sunday services, and they hear that there was a resurrection. They hear that the tomb is empty. They're given evidence and data to prove that this isn't just made up, that there's eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all of that is presented year after year, and people sit here, and they hear it all over the world, and they acknowledge it's true, and it doesn't change anything. If his tomb is empty and yours is not, then what difference does any of this make? And that's why on this Sunday, I want you to understand, Jesus did not call you to just muddle through life and do the best you can. Jesus called you to live victoriously. In fact, we'll find it in this chapter, to conquer with great power the things that are holding you back. In fact, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Quite an interesting turn of a phrase there. I want you to have life, but I don't just want you to have it. I want you to overwhelmingly conquer But here's what I need you to know as we build this argument together and we consider these thoughts, that this is not based on you. The thing, the power that I want to offer you today, I don't possess it to give to you. It's not found in a particular church brand. It's not found in one or two people. It's found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we need to overcome the world in which we live is not just doing our best It's taking the power available to us to the the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And when we receive that and we walk in that power, it makes all the difference in the world. You see, you've never been meant to live on your own power. You've been meant to live by his. And we break free of that then this question in our hearts of why am I not more powerful? Why why do I still have these earthly desires? Why am I constantly struggling in my flesh against my spirit? It's because we've not surrendered to the leading and guidance of God's power through Christ. And when we do that, everything like the resurrection has changed. In fact, in the Old Testament, I want you to know that this is not left out. This is a part of God's promise from the beginning. Listen to Jeremiah 31, 25. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Some of us are tired. Some of us feel like we're spiritually going to faint. We're doing the best we can and it's not good enough. We struggle. We're dissatisfied. We have appetites within ourselves that we wish we didn't have and we battle them every day. God's your answer. Zechariah 4.6, the prophet says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The hope is in what God has provided for us. And Paul in chapter eight of Romans, in one of the greatest hinge chapters in any writing, Paul makes a change from what we need to what we have available to us if we'll accept it. And so what we're gonna do through Romans eight is we're gonna ask one question four times, and we're gonna come up with four variants of answers. And here's the question. What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make for us? If it's true, and if we abide within that power, What difference does it make to you? What difference does it make to me if the resurrection is real? And we're going to answer that four different ways. And you're going to find it all in Romans chapter 8. So let's begin. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power available to us, because it's true, you and I can live a life without condemnation. We can live a life without condemnation. Now what's interesting to me is Romans 8.1 is where Paul makes this change. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I'm told that the word no that Paul uses there in Romans 8.1 is the most emphatic no that is known in the language that he wrote in. There's no greater no. So let me translate that to something you and I could understand. It comes from that epic movie, The Princess Bride. It's inconceivable. No possibility. And here's why. How could God hold you and I up for punishment for sins he's already punished? I want to ask that question again. If the crucifixion of Jesus means what Jesus said it meant and means what Paul said it meant and Peter and John, if it's true that what he was sacrificed on that afternoon and he died that day for the sins of all the world, if God has already punished our sins, then what right does God have justifiably to punish us again? Paul said, that's why there is no condemnation for those who have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There's none. It's inconceivable that God who's faithful would act so unfaithfully when God was the one who told us the sacrifice of Jesus was the difference. So what I'd like to do is contrast what life without the power looks like and what life with the power of the resurrection looks like. In this case, life without Jesus is a life full of guilt. Why? Because you and I, no matter what we do today, can make up for all that we've done yesterday. Amen? We can't make up today for what we did yesterday. And we need help. We need someone to take our past and redeem it. So without Jesus, all we have is the guilt, knowing that no matter how good I am today, it doesn't make up for how bad I was then. But life with the resurrection of Jesus is a life forgiven. It's a life moved on from. You see, and the evidence of this is important that, that we shared this this morning. It's important that you just don't nod your head and go, I agree, because agreeing doesn't change anything. What we really need to understand is what would it look like if we lived forgiven, if we lived with the power and release of our forgiveness? Sometimes knowing something is only true when we realize it and experience it. And the only way I can explain this is When our oldest son, Alex, was born, I remember being at the hospital, and it was amazing. Uh, I would go home at night and come in early in the morning. I'd say to Heather, how'd you sleep? And she's like, this place is amazing. They wheel him out. He's hungry. They wheel him in. I feed him. They wheel him out. This one nurse never put him down. She changed him. She held him like she was, you know, he belonged to her. And then this horrifying day came. They told us we had to leave. We argued. Why? This is great. No one's complaining. But they made us leave. And then this nurse, and I'm sure she played pulling guard for the Kansas City Chiefs. She was a monster of a woman. She walked in and she said, bring your car seat. So I went and got the car seat. She said, she handed me this little seat of a human, and she said, strap him in the car seat. I'd never done this before, so I laid him in there best I could and made sure I didn't pinch him with the clips, which is still a fear to me to this day, of catching the little fat bellies with one of those clips, and so... I got him all nestled in there and I looked at her and she gave me a look of disdain that made my body shake. She looked at me like, men, you know, that kind of thing. And then this brute of a woman started pulling straps to the point that I thought she crushed him. And she got him in there and she goes, that's how you get a baby in a car seat. He couldn't move. If we'd ran into a wall, he'd have been fine. Took him home that day. I mean, it took us three weeks to get him out of the thing. He was so secure. And we're in the car, and the nurses and doctors are waving goodbye, and there's no help now. And we got in the car, and both of us will tell you this day, we, we realized for the first time we were parents. He was ours, and we were responsible. I drove differently. I had to apologize to Heather. I didn't drive differently when we got married. All of a sudden, they put that little thing in the back seat, and I drove like everybody else was out to get me. See, here's what happened. The reality that I was a father was easy when I saw Heather give birth. It became a reality when I had to care for my son. Are you, church, are you with me? I don't want you to amen and sing about the resurrection. I want you to experience it. And the first step is living the forgiven life, that God has taken care of that. Don't let Satan, excuse me, Rapunzel, see yourself the way Jesus sees you, not the way the world wants to control you. John three seventeen. Jesus gave us confidence. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Here's the summation. The power of the resurrection transforms me from guilty to forgiven. Now live like it. The second truth that we find is that you can live a life without domination. So you can live a life without condemnation, you can live a life without domination. And this is where most of us stop. As a pastor, if I can say this, In almost 30 years of of having the privilege of being a pastor, I'll tell you that most people get the forgiven part down and then they try to continue to live their lives by a power that doesn't work instead of trusting the power given. Romans 8.2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He also says in Romans 6.19, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, the way you used to choose to live your life, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Paul says choose. Choose to no longer be dominated by sin. And what difference does the resurrection of Jesus make to us? Without the power of the resurrection available to us, we will live in bondage to sin. We will fall into the same habits. We will continue the same appetites and the same choices. We will continue to disappoint our own hearts We'll continue to give in to things we don't want to worship, but with the power of the resurrection and the gift of God's Holy Spirit guiding us, we will break free. We will experience freedom, not only from those appetites, but listen to me carefully. God will give you the power to say no. He's not calling us to perfection. We are going to continue to battle flesh versus spirit, but trust me, your spirit is stronger than you've ever allowed it to be when it submits to Jesus. Jesus. So summation, the power of the resurrection moves me from in bondage to freedom, to no longer owned by sin, but the ability to say no, the strength to say no, and the freedom that comes from saying no. But once again, and I'll say this over and over today, it's so important for us to understand this. This is not a power that you have within you. It's not doing your best. It's actually a power that has to be given to you by trusting and submitting to the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that will give you power over sin, Romans 6 and 7. So, summation, from bondage to freedom. Romans 8.21 tells us that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Rapunzel. See how God sees you. Live in how God sees you. Find the beauty of your relationship with him and be set free. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul told another church, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what church? There's freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the past and freedom in the future to live this out. So there's no condemnation. There's no more guilt. We're forgiven. There's no more domination. There's no more bondage to sin, that God has given us the power to be free. And thirdly, you can live a life without desperation. And this is where I probably, and I don't say I differ because I feel superior. I differ because I feel it's important to point this out, that I'm trying to tell you that when you follow Jesus Christ and the power of the the resurrection, the power of your redemption, God's not going to fix this world and make everything glassy and smooth, In fact, I'll ask you that if you study the breadth and depth of the scriptures, you're going to realize that nobody who lived by faith had it easy. It didn't all come together nicely with no obstacles and no dragons and no problems. It was constantly that way. Romans 8:18. for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, Paul's a realist, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He tells us right now that there will be suffering. There'll be suffering for doing what is good, and there'll be suffering for following Jesus, and there'll be suffering because this world is broken. People get sick and die. There are accidents. There's crime. There's evil. There's darkness. And that's not changed because you're saved. But the power to live through that has changed. When we study this, we understand that we have to hold to a promise of Scripture. It's found in Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. He's not going to make everything glassy and smooth. In fact, sometimes suffering comes because God needs to strip from us the idols we worship, the things that we're holding on to as our strength. Sometimes the best gift we can get, the best blessing in life is not God giving us something new. Some of the best blessings in life is when God takes something away from us to remind us that he's still there, that he's still strong. Now, it does not say that all things are good. It says we know that God, that's the most important thing. I know that God is able, even when I'm not. It doesn't say that all things work out with a happy ever after ending. But it will eventually because our tombs are gonna be empty. And no matter what this world has done to us, even suffering unto death, will be taken care of. So let's play a little quiz here. And I know there's quite a few visitors in here today, but there's, and I'm telling you that because the people who go here don't talk to me at all. So you talk to me, feel free to. I'm gonna ask a question I'd like you to answer. It could get a little monotonous, but just play along, please. When it says that we believe that all things work together for good, does that include illness? Does that include a couple who'd love to have a child and can't? Does that include losing our jobs? Does that include losing our money? How about your reputation? Is that included? How about being tricked or humiliated by someone we trusted? How about being damaged to the point that we don't know we can recover? So in other words, all things means all things. See, it's easy when life is smooth to say this verse and go, I believe that God's got it all in his control and he can redeem anything. It's much tougher to do that when you're in the midst of one of those moments where you wonder if all things means all things. But I'm here to tell you today that the God that is faithful and holds every promise is the same God who will not abandon you when it seems like there's nothing you can do but suffer. Our God is with us then too. That's the promise. The power of God available to us does not mean we control all things. The power of the faithfulness of God means he does. And the God who can raise Jesus from the dead, can he overcome what you're going through? Absolutely. You see, life without the power of the resurrection is a life of despair. You can't protect the things you love the most. Deep down inside, and I know this is a dark thought, but deep down inside I realize I can't protect Heather. I can't fully protect Alex and Braden. I can't protect my mom and dad. I can't protect this church, the people I work with. I can't protect any of those things. And in those moments I can become fearful or by the power of the resurrection I can demonstrate hope. Which when I can't, he can. That my God, who was able to deliver Jesus through death to resurrected life, can do the same for every single one of us. The power is this: The power of the resurrection transforms me from despair to hope. Romans 8:31. I just love this verse. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? Or as we used to say when we were kids, "My dad can whip yours. You might be able to beat me up, but I got two older brothers, and they're going to clock you. And Paul says, you know what? Let the world bring its very best. God's bigger, isn't he, church? And by the power of the resurrection, you and I know that to be true. Jesus said one night, God, is there any other way to do this? And God said, no. And he allowed Jesus to suffer for the good of the world. Hold on to that hope. The cross says that even if we go through death for the kingdom of heaven, God is able to redeem every bit of that. So there's no condemnation, there's no domination, no desperation, let's end it. There's also, you and I can live a life without intimidation. I'd like to explain this one as we conclude. Verse 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he also, excuse me, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? If, If he would not spare his son to prove to you, Rapunzel, how beautiful and valuable and important you are. Will he not do anything for you? Grace Hansen wrote a book in the 1980s. It was a good book, but there was one line I highlighted, and I've used it for years. She said, don't be afraid your life will end. Be afraid it will never begin. I'd like you to think about that again. Don't be afraid and fearful that one day you're going to die. Be afraid you never lived. Be afraid you never experienced the redeemed life, the life of hope. So what can we face that God can't redeem? Think of your worst fear right now. Think of the one thing that you would just beg God never to allow you to go through. And I still ask you the question, as hard as it is, on the day we celebrate the empty tomb of Jesus, do you not believe that God can walk you through that tomb yourself? And hasn't he promised to? To not leave you or abandon you? So what difference does the resurrection of Jesus make to us? Without Jesus, we live in fear, fear that we can't control and protect. But with the power of the resurrection, we can live in courage. That we can have the strength to stand up to no matter what the world brings us. The power of the resurrection transforms me from fear to courage. From not being in control and intimidated by that to realize that I have given it all to God, it belongs back to him, and he's capable. So no condemnation, no domination, no desperation, and no intimidation. And then in verses 37, 38, and 39 of this chapter, Paul gets into a crescendo here. But he does something I think is spectacular. He said, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death... Let me pause here. What I'm about to read are the things that scare all of us. They're the things that most show us we're not in control. There are most vulnerable moments. Paul said, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Name of fear, my God is bigger. Name of threat, my God can protect you. Name the thing right now that makes you most hesitant to trust God, and I'm going to tell you that he is going to climb that tower, he's going to look you in your eyes, and he's going to reassure you, you are where you need to be. Let's walk into new life. And that's what the resurrection is. It's not just a celebration of the fact that the tomb is empty. Rapunzel, he came to get you out of the tower with no exit. And he'll deliver you safely into a happily ever after. Oh, the journey there can be hard. But the destination is glory. And it's all based on him. You see, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So there's hope. So there's purpose. So I ask you this morning, some of you came, and it really doesn't matter why you came to church. We're we're honestly glad you're here. Not just because it's Easter, We're glad you're here because when we can show you the gospel, some of you, your reticence to become a believer is because church is constantly nagging on you. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Who wants to sign up for that nonsense? But I want you to know the gospel isn't maybe the way the church has presented it. The gospel is this. God knows what you've done and he loves you. He wants to deliver you. He wants you to see your value and your beauty. Yeah, there are certain things that God will say, don't do that, that's not good for you. And when you realize how much he loves you, you'll believe that. And you'll begin to trust it. And for some of you, you've never said, I wanna give myself, I wanna trade this broken life for what he's offering me. And it's that simple to do it. And I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm gonna be in the hallway. I know Easter, how cliche, go talk to the preacher. Now listen to me. I'm not gonna try to push or sell you anything. But I would love to introduce you to some people in this room who are satisfied customers. Amen? Some people who have bet their life on Jesus and have no regrets. People who have had rough roads, but they still walk with the Lord because he delivered them every step of the way. You see, I'm not asking you to come and prove to us that you're worth it. I want to show you Jesus has already told you you're worth it. If you want to know what you look like to Christ, look at the cross. That's a demonstration of how beautiful and important you were to him. So, Rapunzel, get out of the tower. Experience what real life looks like. And for those of us who have once made that profession of faith, and we say we believe in the resurrection, oh, church, let's quit shaking our head in agreement. And let's start living in agreement. Because the power of the resurrection is real, it's available now, and it changes Everything. Our God is that good. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.